Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Very grateful you could join us today. And we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you again for joining us. Begin with our morning prayer. I'm reading from No and Yes, page 39, and Christian Science versus Pantheism, page 14. True prayer is not asking God for love. It is learning to love and to include all mankind in one affection. Prayer is the utilization of the love wherewith he loves us. Prayer begets an awakened desire to be good and to do good. It makes new and scientific discoveries of God, of his goodness and power. It shows us more clearly than we saw before what we already have and are. And most of all, it shows us what God is. Once more, I write, Set your affection on things above. Love one another. Commune at the table of our Lord in one spirit. Worship in spirit and in truth. And in daily adoring, imploring, and living the divine life, truth, love, thou shalt partake of the bread that cometh down from heaven. Drink of the cup of salvation and be baptized in spirit. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you, that's beautiful. All right, our watching point. Watch number 439. Watch that you do not neglect to make the demonstration of taking yourself and others out of the belief of nationality in order to see all in the great household and a family of God. In no other way can you escape the impersonal hatred that exists between nations, which, when stirred up, comes to the surface to be self-destroyed in the form of war. If one believes that he is an American, he cannot escape the human fact that he is hated by certain other nationalities. The only escape from this belief in hatred lies in seeing man as God's perfect child, free from any belief in nationality. Thank you. Comments on that? I'm very grateful for that. Christian science is definitely the only thing that includes everyone. And I was so grateful to find that when I first came here. You know, everything else wants to leave people behind and has acceptable losses, but not Christian science. And that's wonderful. Thank you. That's it. That is so true. Um, I think if we are all taught from the beginning as we grow up that uh, to think as being God's children, more so than, the, you know, nationality, tribes, and so on, it will be better because we always... There is a, a sense of superiority behind it in my country or original country. You know, the tribes even discriminate. Oh, I'm this 
and I'm, so I'm better than that one, and and so so on and so forth. So to see oneself truly as a child of God and everyone as such, I think it's most important to teach children. Thank you so much. That is so true. Yes. Oh my goodness! All the all this fighting and warring and. Um, in our church, we were truly trained even to think you, you know, like I have a Scotch and German and other things in my background to get rid of all of that. I mean, the, the Scots were notoriously clannish and fighting and all all of the false beliefs about various, uh, they're good things too, but who wants, if you, if you take the good things, then you get the bad things. So no. I love it. Mrs. Eddy said what our ancestry is, the beautiful, the good, and the pure. Let's work with that and leave it with that. And that is true of everyone, everywhere, all people. We're citizens of the world. America, Dan, is a divine idea. I don't like to think of it even as a nation. It's a divine idea, freedom and justice for all, isn't it? We fall short of that ideal, but that ideal we can maintain in our thought and know it to be true for all people, again, all people everywhere. And Mrs. Eddy, thank God, gets rid of the tyranny of mortal mind, which is the worst tyranny of all. And what Florence just described, that's what happens when you get in the human mind. You want to be better than someone else. And however you can do it, <laughs> whatever you can conjure up, you will for that superiority, and that is very ungodly, to say the least. We have, um, you know, some beautiful articles that I love on our website about working for the world. One is um, one that Nancy from Texas wrote. can't think of the name right now, but it, do you remember, Jeremy? Something about healing the world. <laughs> But there's one called The Healing of the Nations by William McCracken, From Zone to Zone by Julia M. Johnston, and then God's Elect, also by Julia M. Johnston. And they're very helpful ideas to work with in those. So, all right, before we continue, there's something I have to take up, and that was um, Wednesday evening testimony meeting. There was a testimony about fireworks and um how the person prayed which was definitely good and she got her peace which was also definitely good but if you're having problems in your neighborhood illegal problems which was mentioned illegal problems that could lead to deadly forest fires what action besides praying should you take all the police all the authority yes I, ha you ha I have to make that clear. If anyone thinks that's not the thing to do as a Christian scientist, what does Mrs. Eddy say? Christian scientist. Crime in check. Crime in check. Crime in check. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I did change that. <laughs> yes, I mean, did. I did go into, um, <clears throat> I had mentioned to, my practitioner that um, when I was talking about giving this testimony, I said I was going to, we were going to do that. I just didn't include it in the testimony, <laughs> but I did do that. I did go to the police and report it. And, um, 
so they're aware of it, and I know now what to do next year. If it occurs again, I, I was told what to do about it. Thank you. Yes, and she did correct it, and it, we put it back up on the on the website. But we once had uh, it, it were these festivals during the summer. They were held in Plainfield in a parking lot, and they had loudspeakers. They were blaring. We live in North Plainfield. It was a couple miles away, and we could hear it. Uh, we could hear the guy talking. We could hear everything. First, Gary rode his bike over to tell him, tone it down. Nope, wouldn't do it. Then we went to the police. The police were, they were inundated with, with calls, but they said they couldn't do anything because these people had a permit. Okay, who gave them the permit? the city council. So I got online, I found out who's on the city council of Plainfield and I wrote them scathing emails. One of them was a re reverend. It wasn't a scathing email, but it was very pointed. And I quoted the Bible, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I said, I would never in a million years be blaring this music. It was going late into the night until midnight, right? Yeah. And, and um, then it stopped. So you take whatever action you need to take. Mrs. Evans would talk about it a lot. Barking dogs, um, bands, things. This noise pollution is something that people just, oh, well, you turn up your air conditioning or television or something. No, no, you take action. This is just part of keeping crime in check. Any kind of uh, drugs in your neighborhood, anything you see that's not right, you report it, and, and we support our policemen. We send them money regularly from the church, and I want to raise that amount because we're so grateful for them. They've got a tough job, and thank God that they're willing to do it. Okay, thank you. And, and thank you, Karen, for taking the correction so well. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm grateful for it. For learning the lesson that I needed to learn. Well, that's that's good, and and this is a paramount because that, that's excuse the phrase of a ditzy Christian scientist who just go in their prayer chair and pray while all hell is breaking loose. Um, yes, yeah. we do pray, but we take whatever action is needed. I mean, Linda had fireworks in her neighborhood, and she's going after it. Yep. So. Um, <laughs> Yep, taking steps. It's it's not to happen, and if no one takes steps, it will continue to happen. Continue, and it could just grow. And it's it's not of God. All right. Um, our subject. The name of the article was "How to Save the World." How to oh, save the you. world? Okay. <laughs> our subject is sacrament this week. I wanted to just mention something when I refer to articles. It's Carrie, dear Carrie, who <laughs> researches everything for me and finds the most wonderful things. But she found this was something, um, Communion of Christian Scientists, the Communion Service in 1898, where uh, it says, the message closed with a reference to the present state of war in which the country is involved, in which Mrs. Eddy counseled her followers to pray for the prosperity of the country, that justice, mercy, and peace should continue to characterize the government and express the hope that the divine presence might still guide and bless the president and Congress and give them wisdom and uphold them 
with the right arm of, of his righteousness. The hope was also voiced that divine love might succor and protect the soldiers of the country, whether in camp or in battle, as it did in Manila when brave men led by the hero Dewey and shielded by the power that saved them sailed through the, the jaws of death and blotted out the Spanish squadron. This is what we are to be doing all the time. Our prayers are most important. And I thought it was interesting that that was the communion service. And also, there were parts of the Reiki Association addresses that I didn't get to last time, but they fell in very nicely to this time. And um, he also speaks on the pages of 13 and 14, what we just talked about from the watching point. Let us face plainly that we must love all the people of the world. In this case, during this time, which was 1948, he specifically talks about Russia. Um, said that my pilots told me they seemed to have more in common with the Russians than with any others. <laughs> you see, they found their Russian friends, happy-go-lucky individuals. We mustn't... Uh, hate nations we must love and know as Saul he talks about Saul changing to Paul he mentions in this case Joseph Stalin but we must pray that there, there's an awakening right not to hate these people but there, there's awakening with anybody that seems to be doing wrong I love what he says because it makes so much sense as Christian scientists. So those are on pages 13, 14, and going into 15. But he talks about the love of God. This divine mind is shining through each and all of us this very second. And there are no false beliefs of apathy that can veto the effect of this intelligence and affection. This divine force truly goes over the continent an ocean to the globe's remotest bounds, and its influence is felt. The still small voice knows no limitation of time or space. It is the word of God actively engaged in the affairs of men. Now, this topic on sacrament is most important. The lesson brings out all that Jesus suffered for us, doesn't it? And we all know it well. But now, what is it? What, it, what of our times, as Mrs. Eddy says in her 4th of July address? The last verse, the last statement in Science and Health of this lesson. If all who ever partook of the sacrament had really commemorated the sufferings of Jesus and drunk of his cup, they would have revolutionized the world. If all who seek his commemoration through material symbols will take up the cross, heal the sick, cast out evils, and preach the Christ or truth to the poor, the receptive thought, they will bring in the millennium. This is up to us. So we talked last week about changing the course of history. 
but look what it's asking you to do. It is not waiting in line for your instantaneous healing, is it? No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and in the Reiki article, he brings out that maybe you're not getting your healing because you are so self-involved with your own problems. Look at the look at the bigger picture. My goodness. Are you willing to do these things? We all must be practitioners. We all must do these things and take up the cross. This is why it would seem to some Christian science isn't the most popular religion out there. Hmm. New Age is much more Yes, less demanding of you. So it attracts more people, maybe. But the demands come from God. And and none of us is ever asked to do more than we're capable of doing. But God does demand that we stretch (laughs) and overcome our fears, overcome our sense of limitation and overcome our pride and overcome our selfishness. And if we can do those things, there really is no limit to what we can accomplish. There isn't. And it takes um, consecration. Another part of the Reiki Association, he compares consecration to what? Concentration. Concentration. And in the definition of sacrament, um, the first part means holy, and the second part means to make. So sacrament is to make holy. And my goodness, I looked up, I was looking up because it talks about Solomon's Temple. You can Google, you can a tour of Solomon's Temple, a three-minute mm-hmm. tour. You know, this huge, huge thing and all the sacrifice of the animals. <laughs> My goodness. You can see how far, far, far they had gone from true worship. And it certainly is brought out in the chosen, isn't it? What yeah. Christ Jesus had to combat with all of this false sense of sacrifice. Um so, concert. hello. Yes, go ahead. Hi. Well, that's a very good point. That uh, <laughs> it comes to me that even today we're sacrificing the animals only for our own pleasure. We're still doing that. I just say you lots of love, and when that wonderful promise said that the lamb will lie down with the lion or the other way. It's yes. the same that we need to let it happen too and, and do the same with all beings. That's what came to me. Thank you. Thank you, Ingrid. That's right. I mean, it, it still is in a different way. So something to pray and think about. And, and uh, I was reading, it was another one of the things that Carrie sent, but it, it said the, the real thinker is the pioneer, the one that doesn't conform to just what the modes of the day, but they think, they think beyond it. Is it really right or not? 
some of these things that we just do and take for granted, um, as in the movie Cinderella with, with Lily James, she said, just because it's done <laughs> doesn't mean it should be done. And um, Prince Charming wanted to kill an elk <laughs> and she wouldn't allow him to. So, and he had to say, well, you know, that's right. Why, why are we doing this, really? So let us think beyond our own selfishness and how we can truly make the world a better place. On page 18 of the Association Addresses of Herbert Rickey, he says, if, if ever error does not appear to yield readily to your Christian science treatment, observe carefully whether you are concentrating or consecrating your thought. <clears throat> Wives, excuse me, Wives often concentrate on their husbands to make them over <laughs> or to bring them into Christian science. <laughs> parents sometimes concentrate on their children and bring about distorted experiences. Businessmen concentrate on their business associates. Church members concentrate on the election of certain individuals as readers or board members. This is not Christian science, but rather mesmerism, and it never does any good. Concentration is the operation of human willpower. Consecration is a process of letting God's will be done. Very different. So these are all ways, perhaps, why your treatments aren't successful if they're not successful. If they're not successful. Oh, wait. <laughs> so. <clears throat> now, let's see. Did you? Okay, we'll, we'll read now with the um, golden text, Lillian. <clears throat> the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Thank you. And Karen, do you want to? Mention? Yeah, I looked that <clears throat> citation up in the Amplified Bible, <clears throat> and it gave this reference in Isaiah, where it quotes, "What are your What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Without your repentance, <laughs> says the Lord, I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed cattle." without your obedience. And I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats offered without repentance. And then I looked up repentance in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Real penitence, sorrow or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor to God, a violation of his holy law, and the basest ingratitude towards a being of infinite benevolence Repentance is the relinquishment of any practice from conviction that it has offended God. And then upright, in the same dictionary, honest, just, not deviating from correct moral principles. And then I just said the Bible, the word of God, when obeyed, is our perfect guide and protection from all that would try to separate us from the love of God, our Father, Mother. Thank you. 
So why is, is this false sense of sacrifice again? Why is that an abomination? Because it's coming with it without repentance or sorrow for wrongdoing. It's, we're not, we're not concerned about have I offended God? <laughs> and, and that's what everything comes back to is, is if, if it's an offense against, not me personally, but if it's an offense against God, then it, it must be corrected. Thank you. Yeah, and, it's a cover-up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because real sacrament is a change. Doesn't Mrs. Eddy says? We have to have a change of base. I mean, that's a big deal. That means you got to look deep into your heart and ask yourself, honestly, am I doing everything right? <laughs> am I thinking correctly about my fellow beings? Am I treating them as I would have them treat me? And if there's any, you know, if the answer to that is no anywhere, it means we have to change. And that change is always a good change. It's not, a, it's, it's not always an easy change. But it's always a good change. Because it makes, it makes not only your life better, but it makes the life of everybody around you better. I think also the, this repentance is so important because Mary Magdalene and Mrs. Eddy uses in the Christian science practice in the beginning, shows us that we have to have that repentance also. Real penitence, right? um, real penitence, sorrow, and deep contrition for our sins. And this is what she did. And that's why she, he said, Jesus, that wherever the gospel is told, her name will be mentioned. So I think it's something we have to look at as well. Very important. Most important. And again, that, that is also in the, the Riki article. He brings out the, the points in that beginning chapter about Christian science healing and summit of devout consecration. That's how we got into not concentration. The oil of gladness we talked about last week, perfume of gratitude, then the tears of repentance. And then your hair is all numbered by the Father. But, and, and of course, we know just crying, oh, woe is me, is not tears of repentance. Self-pity is not tears of repentance. He says tears of repentance are altogether different. Mary Magdalene had been wasting her human experience until she met the Master. Inherently, she possessed the qualities of a pretty fine character but she had been dreaming otherwise. To be really healed, she needed to be thoroughly awakened. Through her tears of repentance, she resolved to live differently and better. She was determined to dedicate her whole selfhood to the Christ. All material interests and worldly aims gave way to her divine passion for truth. These tears of repentance gave new meaning to every minute and hour of her daily experience. Because of these tears of repentance, our master said that whenever this story of his life was told, 
what she did would also be recounted. She needed to be thoroughly awakened, and then she needed to devote her life to God. Again, you're having trouble with healing. Have you done this? We have had Christian science now for 156 years. And I, I just, in many ways, it, you could say it's at a standstill. Let's let's just wait and see now. Are people going to really do this? Are you going to come up to the plate or not? Are you just going to wait for that instantaneous healing you're whining about because it hasn't happened yet? Craig, did you want to? Oh, I was, the thought was that, that uh, unless we are sincere we'll never hear what god has to tell us if we don't you know sincerely say you know give up what we know is wrong we'll never be able to take the next step to be a, a better pure person thank you and why is that yeah. why do you hear if you're not sincere <clears throat> Well, you're a hypocrite. If you're not sincere, you're shutting God out. So if all these things aren't happening and you wonder why you can't hear God's voice, well, this is why. And, and you, can't, you can't go around this by some other route. This is the only way. Who wanted to speak? Uh, I, I was going to share this scripture so wonderful that Divine Mind just gave to me this morning. It, it says, if God doesn't build the house, those that labor, labor in vain, I think it's almost exactly. Mm -hmm. And I see it so related to all the great things that you're talking right now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. I think Mrs. You know, Mrs. Eddy says that love for God and man is the true incentive in both healing and teaching. And I guess if we're just looking for our own healing, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of love for God or man in that. It just seems like more like a love of ourselves and a desire of something of ourselves rather than, you know, really looking outward and, and and manifesting that out to the world and seeing it as true for the world, not just for ourselves. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank and, you. And to try to will someone or yourself to be well in Christian science is not Christian science. It is mesmerism. It's the human mind. You, you want the end result, but you're not willing to to do what take, it takes to get to that end result, and that is to sacrifice yourself. And in the communion address in miscellaneous writings, page 124, it says, the last act of the tragedy on Calvary rent the veil of matter and unveiled love's great legacy to mortals, love forgiving its enemies. This grand act crowned and still crowns Christianity. It manumits mortals, it translates love, but the last thing, the last thought in Jesus' thinking when he was suffering on the cross was to love his enemies. 
I've thought about that all, you know, for a long time now, how if anybody could have any reason to think of himself, but no, he was thinking of was forgiving his enemies. Yes. Yes. And then Ricky says, most people are sick only because they spend too much time thinking about themselves and their own affairs. Their salvation is to forget self. That's in the Bible. It's in Mrs. Eddy's writings. Uh, and I have said, that is my definition of hell, thinking about yourself. So, and in the lesson, and we'll get into this more but later, but at the end, what is it that Christ Jesus tells his disciples? Be mercy. Yes. Someone asked, why did he do it three times? Why did he do it three times? Because he denied Jesus three times. He denied the Christ three. He denied knowing Jesus three times. So it was a uh, a, re, a chance for him to to correct that. I guess that's how I saw it anyway. Yeah. Oh, it and, very to for, and to forgive him, and to forgive him also to see that he's been forgiven. Craig, it just felt that. Uh, Jesus felt that this is a very hard thing for Peter to do. And, it, and so until he felt that and Peter felt the significance of it, he, would, <clears throat> he wasn't there yet to do it. Thank you. Well, to me, it's not just for Peter, it's for all of us. And it's an emphasizing the great, great importance of this. These were his last words. He's telling you what you should be doing, not just Peter, all of us feeding his sheep and his lambs. And he says it three times to me to emphasize the importance of it. If you didn't hear me the first time, did you hear me the second? Did you hear me the third? Did you hear it? Did you hear it the first time? Did you hear it the second? Did you hear it the third? A few weeks ago, I read a testimony from Marlene in Hawaii and and she was feeling this need to to do more for the cause of science and she was really praying she didn't know who to bless she didn't really even see very many people and then somebody her neighbor came into her experience and she was able to bless her this is a prayer we should all have i mean i i pray this quite a bit, especially before a, a round table. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Not just the sheep, not just the ones that have been here a long time, but those who are also new. Are you doing this? Do you feel the urgency of doing this? This is maybe why you don't have your so-called healing. It's highly important. And we're going to end today on a beautiful the beautiful article by Kate Swope called Feed My Lambs, in which she goes into this. Think about the deep significance of it. Now, Jeremy, you also wrote about the golden text. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I looked up uh, sacrifice, and one definition was to devote with loss, and that really got me thinking about 
you know, the difference between the sacrifice of the wicked, <laughs> you know, what are they losing? They're losing God and what we're supposed to be losing. And, you know, in Psalm 51, where it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, that, that thought of a broken spirit reminded me of horses, how they're, they're tamed, you know, being broken. So just the thought of getting rid of our ego and pride and will so that we can be useful. It just felt like a, a good sacrifice. Thank you, yes. And is it a sacrifice of anything good? No. No, it's not. The only things we're required to sacrifice are sin, disease, and death. We don't have to we don't have to lose anything else. Everything that got you into that low situation that that made you find Christian science. <laughs> That's that's what you should lose, and you should want to lose it. Yes, we should all want to lose that which is not good for us. And and we don't lose anything good. It's so wonderful how when we, you know, strive more to consecrate to God, the joy is so much that anything we leave behind. It's just nothing. It's really just nothing for the joy that we gain and the wonderful life that we gain. Uh, there's the, the worldly thought out there that, you know, now we are boring. Now we don't do fun things. All these lies. It's just so much joy and, and, and so much more fun uh, to go God's way because then we don't have all the troubles and things of the world. Thank you. That is so true. In, uh, in miscellaneous writings, referring to the parable of the ten virgins, Mrs. Eddy says, and I'm quoting from an article called Devotion by Dun Duncan Sinclair. We learn from this parable that neither the cares of the world nor the so-called pleasures or pains of material sense are adequate to plead for the neglect of the spiritual light that must be tended to keep aglow the flame of devotion, whereby to enter into the joy of divine science demonstrated. And that's, just read that. That's quite the story about the ten virgins. It's on page 341 and 342. That can be your assignment next week of miscellaneous writings. Because by letting their flame go out, it's not a good thing to have happen. And we, particularly as Christian scientists, must never have that happen. And if we are just in here for the loaves and fishes, well, eventually all that good's going to go. It will go. And Mrs. Mrs. Eddy refers to loving unselfishly as a bliss. Yeah. I mean... Can joy be more blissful than that? <laughs> That's it. And you know the joy it brings to you to, to help somebody, doesn't it? It's tremendous joy to help somebody else. And also in forgetting self, you know, and, and you forget your own troubles. Yeah. 
Now, I love what you wrote, Linda, on the forum. I was, <clears throat> found a very sweet story um, that came from a book from Long Year, a collection of children's testimonies from the early journal. Thank you. Uh, and uh, it just reminded me of the creating me a clean heart, oh God, uh, the little story this little girl taught, uh, shared. And I, if you want me to read the little testimony, yes. it's just part of it. And these are from the early Sentinels and Journals. <clears throat> and it, I love this, and I'm going to start posting them on the children's website because it just shows us what children are capable of. It's almost like we've lost a sense that these children are capable of, you know, deep consecration to the science. And these children were writing these letters to Mrs. Eddy, and they just had such a love for her and gratitude and respect. It's just very beautiful and inspiring. But anyways, the little girl wrote, quote, I am a little girl of eight years old and want to tell you what I have done for God. And then she shares testimony, but I didn't have enough space here. Then she went on to say, one day, my brother, Stuart, and I were playing, and he took something of mine to look at, and I began to whine, and Mama heard me and asked me not to do it, to try to demonstrate over it. She had asked me two or three times before, and I didn't seem to do it, but I did this time, because I thought it wasn't nice to fret and bother Mama, and I began treating myself. I said, Air, you don't exist, and you can't make me whine and fret. For God governs me. And Mama says that she hasn't heard me whine or fret since. I am so glad that our dear mother, Mrs. Eddy, is so good and kind to give us this beautiful truth that helps us to manifest God good. End quote. Mm. Just thought that was so beautiful. It is, and the rest of what you wrote was good too. Yes, and then I uh, it remembered the part of the Reiki address uh, that we were told to um, read. And then he says, quote, so our maker has given us an accurate gauge to measure our oil gladness. This gauge is your countenance. If you want to know exactly how much oil you have in consciousness, just take a look at yourself in a mirror. Do you find a radiant, happy smile? Then you can be sure your oil is okay. But if you find a frown of disappointment, some sadness or self-pity, if there is any resentment or anger expressed, you had better do something about it and immediately. End quote. Mm -hmm. And I just found that very powerful. And that little girl showed us that <laughs> you can do it. Do it. I love that she cared enough about her mom. It was very unselfish that she shouldn't disturb her. And I thought that the whole thing was a beautiful example to learn from. Yes. Yeah, and that's certainly how we should feel about our loving Father, Mother, God, right? We want to obey and, and follow his precepts. And, and our master, Christ Jesus, he says over and over, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Yeah. Just read Sermon on the Mount and follow those, follow him. And all of these, all of these things bring healing to your deep inward parts. This is what heals. This is what is so wonderful about Christian science. It not only heals physically, but 
it changes your character, changes everything about you. And that in turn will heal your family, your neighborhood, your nation, and your world. And will anything else? No. No. (laughs) I don't think so. So we think we take shortcuts. Well, they're not shortcuts. We have to keep retracing our path. Tears. In tears of, yes, tears of repentance. Instead of commemoration, then just a symbol of it. Yes. Yes. And then sometimes when I feel overwhelmed with what I think I should or shouldn't do, he has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to what? Be justly messy. To walk humbly with thy God. Yes. To walk humbly with thy God. It doesn't say to sit humbly with thy God. (laughs) Walk humbly with thy God. Be doing. Mm -hmm. Be doing, yes. Up and be doing, like the hymn says. Yeah, Yeah, and that's. I think that's on our carousel this week, too. Used just about get up and do something. Action. It says love mercy. Love mercy, yes. And do justly. So I thought it was interesting, too, what Louise wrote um, on the forum. In one of Mrs. Eddy's Bibles, she wrote besides Roman 12, 2, and that is the quote, um, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what she wrote was Romans 12 is Christian science. So, and then Louise goes in and you can all read it for yourself, but it is um, what it takes to do this. And the word renewing, and I love that. And I love renew a right spirit within me. Create a clean heart. I think we're going to sing that today. Um, renew. A change of heart in life. A new development. A renewal achieved by God. A power. And then acceptable. That which will be pleasing to God or which he will approve. There is scarcely a more difficult text in the Bible than this. Or one that is more full of meaning. It involves the main duty of religion to be separated from the world and expresses the way in which that duty may be performed and which we may live as so as to ascertain and do the will of God. If all Christians would obey this religion, if all Christians would obey this, religion would be everywhere honored. If all would separate the vices and follies, the amusements and gaieties of the world, Christ would be glorified. If all were truly renewed in their minds, they would lose their relish for such things and seeking only to do the will of God. They would not be slow to find it. That's Barnes' commentary. And that goes along with what Ingrid was saying. And it truly is the greatest joy, the deepest peace, the most satisfaction there ever could be. And it's worth all the effort. It is truly heaven on earth. And if we individually bring heaven on earth, we can bring it to all men, gather them up. 
and thus again bring in the millennium which is powerful and wonderful and awesome to think about and just as we have discussed how the small group of metaphysical thinkers brought the Christ in the days of Herod and the Roman Empire they ushered in the Christ didn't they Mary prayer revolutionized the world well what is left for us now to put into practice the science that has been discovered that Jesus practiced and Mrs. Eddie explained and proved. I mean, we Isn't have that kind of interesting though, that it's always a small group. I just, I actually was, that, that kind of just jumped out at me. It's like, I think sometimes it's, it's discouraging when you feel like, oh, it's not this giant group of people, but it's never been a giant group of people. It's not easy. So not too many will do it. And it never has been. It's been the remedy. Right. But I, I guess I take heart from that because it doesn't require a, a giant group. It, do, it does not. It never has and it never will. That's the beauty of that Bible story, Gideon. Gideon. It was pared down to just a very small group. And that was to prove it's God that does it. And as, as um, Craig read Wednesday night, one with God is a majority. It's God that does it. It's not man. But a, a few a few bright thinkers um, can transform the world. I love that. It's in the, also in miscellaneous writings, I believe, where she says that. Just a few. Few right thinkers will do it if 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 they are all of one mind, right? Mm-hmm. Bring in the millennium. Um, uh, this may be <laughs> uh, maybe maybe appropriate, and and in the Bible it says I think John, the word was with God, and the word was God, and which comes to mean knowing the word, the understanding of the word does the work. And, and it is actually God working. So everyone that vibes that is basically letting God work. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, and now in miscellany, it says, small group of wise thinkers is better than a wilderness of dullards and stronger than the might of empires. And then in the biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham's prayer was that, if 50 or even 10 righteous men could be found in Sodom, that city would be saved from destruction. In regard to this story, Mrs. Eddy makes an interesting comment. A life or nation is saved in proportion to the predominance within of purity, patriotism, or other right motives. And this is the inner spiritual meaning of Abraham's petition to God. If Sodom City had in it enough moral worth, it would be saved, but not otherwise. So our bell is rung, and I know a few more people want to speak, so maybe save it till next week, because we will end now with this article. This article uh, from the 1903 journal or Sentinel. Anyway, Kate Swope entitled Feed My Lambs. 
This is an excerpt from the article. Feed my lambs. There is such a plaintive strain of patient love and beauty in these words of Jesus. His test of love was its inspirational power to feed. Lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou the giver more than the This is ever testing us in pleading tones within. With tender minor chords stirring across the heart, it is ever calling to us a higher usefulness. We hear its beseeching within. It grieves us even as it did Peter. Eternally, the Christ seems to beckon, to plead with a plaintive patience, lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou the Christ's life? If so, express it, prove it, feed humanity, whether it be with song, sermon, or science. And that's from Science and Health. I said, I will walk in the fields, God said. Nay, walk in the town. I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers, but a crown. I said, but the fogs are thick and clouds are veiling the sun. He answered, but hearts are sick and men in the dark undone. I said, I shall miss the light, and friends will miss me, they say. He answered, Choose ye tonight if I must miss you or they. Between the giver and the gift. Lovest thou me, life? Lovest thou me, truth? Lovest thou me, love? Three times this potent touch upon the tender human heartstrings. Three times the rebuke. Prove it. Feed my lambs. His lambs. Not ours, but his. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much.